This is the Arena Deckless Podcast. I'm Jerry Thompson, joined by Brian Gottlieb. And it might not be that for long. Brian, what do you think about a re re this is this is only the third, the second rebrand, I guess? This yeah, the second rebrand, third name. I mean, I'm I'm down. I'm down for a rebrand. What, what spurred this on? We didn't even have a conversation about this. I was on Twitter, actually. And nah. one of your rare posts that I saw was like, hey, we're looking for a new name. And I'm like, shit, we are? I didn't know about that. So it's a thing I've been thinking about for a while. And then it it just, you know, it pops into my head like every couple of weeks or something. Okay. And then it popped in again. And I was just, I it made me more emotional than normal. I don't, I don't necessarily want to say angry, but... Had a, had a lot of feelings. And I was just like, look, we, we should probably just do this because it's going to get worse before it gets better. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Mm-hmm. And I don't know, man, you and I are just mostly on the same page about stuff. And I feel like we may have talked about this at some point or at the very least made some joke about how our name is not really the thing anymore. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and- I, I certainly do not care i mean like obviously our the oh, genesis yeah. the genesis of our new name was very much based around uh you know looking at the future of magic and wanting to be on top of seo search engine optimization and i do not think any of those things have come to fruition or matter all that much anymore not anymore i think at the time it was good right yeah, I mean, especially, it was, it was smart. It was for- good business. For the Twitter account, I think a lot of people found us that way. One hundred percent. And it's it's weird because I don't think there was a lot of conversion to people that who then listen to the podcast. But maybe I'm wrong about that. I don't know. So I don't know. Uh, just something I'm I'm thinking about. And yeah, you you saw it in the Twitter post. Uh, there was some helpful information and a lot of not very helpful information. And I don't know. We can talk about it when you are less busy i suppose mm, that's that is a good idea when i'm back in the the good old us of a maybe we can we can chat about it but it is funny though i actually just had a conversation yesterday with some folks down here in new zealand about how how things looked when you think back to the first arena invitational an event you participated in um not for one, very long but yeah not for very long but yes you were there uh one by andrea mangucci and uh, you know, defeating Canister in a pretty epic final. And and you think about how things looked at that moment, where it looked like magic was going to go, how bright and promising and just I like... I mean, <laughs> do you like, do you want me to remind you of the things that were going on behind the scenes? On the outside, before? Gerald. I said, look, I didn't say, I didn't say was, I said looked. Like yeah. just, the, just the optics of that event are certainly the high point in magic's history i think and i i doubt we ever get to uh those kind of optics again it was like a real esports type uh broadcast and yeah look where we are now gerald listen million dollar prize pool the format sir makes a lot yeah yeah i mean that's that's a whole other thing it's kind of more of the same but it's a whole other thing The, the format for that tournament was widely hated yeah. by both participants and viewers the viewership numbers were clearly bought and paid for and uh i lost round one granted like i also blew it but like i i did lose round one to a semi-invisible timer yep uh which 
I think is fine and I should have known. It's just like, it's weird to make like that sort of adaption, right? It's like, you're so used to playing in the rules of a pro tour or something. And then the next sort of pro tour level event you go to, it's like, oh yeah, this weirdo uh, sort of sudden death thing. And the clock is, you know, not at the scorekeeper's table where I would like normally expect it to be, right? Uh, it, It was like, I had to look like basically directly up in order to see it. And, mm. you know, there, it was just like not right in front of me. Right. So I basically just forgot it existed, even though it was like this new rule that had been implemented and should have been important. I should have paid attention to. Uh, so I lose to this in a match. I'm absolutely going to win. And then because of the backlash, the fact that people were just like, well, Jerry was winning. Why do you just suddenly lose? And, you know, it's, it's always awkward, especially as a commentator, how you then have to explain like, oh, well, actually, there's this silly rule in place. Oh, yeah. Uh, so then they just changed it for day two, which like <laughs> doesn't make me feel great. Yeah. Uh, I, I think that someone has to be the sacrifice in order for things like that to get changed. Like if it's a, a rule that people don't really like or whatever, and they get rid of it. I mean, it's, it's probably cause someone got punished. Right. And that person just happened to be me. So like, that's kind of a weirdo first in my career. Gerald, if you ever write a book about like the early stages of my god man i dude, i could write i could write so many books well i have uh, i have the title now oh, hit me somebody has to be the sacrifice <laughs> yeah it's like an absolute perfect encapsulation of everything that went on during this era yeah i don't think i would do it differently uh at least in, in big picture you know mm-hmm. i would certainly alter some some details or whatever but I'm not happy with the way things turned out, but I'm happy with the stuff that I chose to do. No, that's all you can do, right? I, I think that's good. And I, yeah. you know, a lot of people don't have that at this point, the way things, everyone's dealing with the same fallout. Everyone's dealing with the magic that is in the same place as you are, but not everyone can say, you know, they gave everything they could to try and turn things around. A lot of people say they took a lot more money out of it. I'll, I'll give them that, but, uh, you know, that only goes so far. Mm. I want to write the MTG burn book, at least for the sake of 20 year old Jerry, you know? Mm-hmm. Oh, he would appreciate that for sure. Oh yeah. He, he would love it. Absolutely. Anyway, you're kind of on a timer and we have a lot of cards to get through. So we should probably do that. Okay. Yeah. Let's talk about magic cards as usual. Uh, Phyrexia all we one continued to deliver banger after banger this week. Full set is out. We're going to do one more show just kind of, you know, giving our quick hits, talking about cards that excite us, and then we'll come back next week, do a top 10 show of some form. Uh, you Hell know yeah. how we are about those things. Maybe let's just do a classic top 10 show for all its flaws. I, I think we just go back to it and do our, our top 10 favorite cards. I was going to say, I have some thoughts on that too, but man, we can save it for the next one. We'll kick okay. that down the line. And like okay. any sort of rebrand that comes to you, it's, it's going to take time. It's like, we're going to have to figure out a name and like probably, you know, get all the... Twitter accounts and websites and like get a logo and stuff. So like that won't be coming for a while. If anything, Man, I, don't, I don't know if I have room in my house for any more rebranded merchandise. There's still like game deck boxes somewhere there. And if we had a Listen, third man, set of merch, I'm just going to be overwhelmed. I'm about ready to mail out some of that merch. Oh, uh, Lord. So just saying, I mean, there are plenty of people out there that do want it. If you want to get rid of it, you, you come pick it up anytime, Gerald. It's <laughs> <He's> ready to go. <laughs> Yeah, you come pick it up. Uh, I'm out of town, you know, so mm. 
just venture into my forest woodlands and one of your doors or windows is probably unlocked. I don't know, man. Uh, no, we keep that shit locked down, sir. Locked that, down. That's smart. You got too much synth gear. You got to protect right. that. Anyway. Right. Phyrexia all be one. Uh, apparently the release date got pushed back a week. I did not actually know that. Uh, I was just like Googling, trying to figure that out. And so the official release date is February 10th. And the arena release date appears to be February 7th. So yeah, dude, we got time for a little top 10 show, let it marinate a little bit. This is different than what it has been. So I've maybe... enjoyed it a lot more too. I've enjoyed taking our time with it and just kind of getting to know these cards a little bit better. Feels good, man. I, I definitely like it too. I mean, we had to do some kind of sketchy shenanigans to do that, which I wasn't super happy about, but uh, it, it has felt good. Let me tell mm -hmm. you. For sure. Anyway, uh, about 40 cards to get through because uh, uh, there's, just, uh, like you said, a lot of bangers, right? Uh, this that has continued to deliver. Are you familiar with this stuff at all? Have you, have you read the previews? Absolutely not, Gerald. I've been so busy. Uh, anyone who follows my Flesh and Blood Adventures knows I, I wrote a band and suspended article this week. And, you know, a lot of work went into shaping that. And of course, we're always working on the future of Flesh and Blood as well. So I... This is my first peak, quite honestly, and I'm excited to take it because up until this point, the set has delivered to such an awesome extent. All right, we'll check this one out. We're, we're going to go in Wooburg order. And at the top of that, we have Phyrexian Vindicator, dub, 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 dub. So four white mana symbols. Already five, 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 creature Phyrexian Horror flying. If damage would be dealt to this, prevent that damage. When damage is prevented this way, this deals that much damage to any other target. Oh, so a little uh, Boros Reckoner action going on here. If you remember that card, and I'm sure you do quite fondly, your first Pro Tour top eight on the back. A little bit. Boros Reckoner, yeah. And uh, if you also remember what Boros Reckoner was capable of getting up to, there were some shenanigans there. There was uh, a Funeral Pyre. Was that the card that was in your list? Harvest, harvest Pyre. Harvest and, Pyre, yeah. And Reckoner didn't prevent the damage. That is true. That is true. It still took the damage. So I, I bet there's a whole mess of shenanigans you can get up to with this card and a pretty similar casting cost. Honestly, Boros Reckoner did have the hybrid thing going on. So it's sort of split between red and white stuff, but also only a 3-3 three, three body. This 5-5 five, five flyer, lots to like about this card for sure. Yeah, uh, the flip side of Obliterator, obviously, too. Mm -hmm. uh, so that call out is kind of cool. I'm sure we're going to see like Six Forest, Phyrexian Vindicator, I'd Rather Lose Than Mulligan, Opening Hand Memes, you know? Mm -hmm. The card has a lot going for it. No, really nice design here. And, uh, you know, as far as tournament viability, it depends. It depends a lot on what the removal looks like. I think, like, sort of given the state of things, I'm not convinced that Phyrexian Vindicator is, like, a game changer or anything. I think it's more of a novelty, an interesting card that people will really appreciate. Uh, maybe a really strong sideboard option in some spots. Like how does something like mono red ever beat this card? That seems just like an absolute nightmare. Um, like threaten it, you know, like that's, yeah, that's, that's kind of like the best it. thing that you can do. For sure. For sure. But there, there's a lot of four drops that mono red has its share of struggles with. So it's not particularly novel in that regard. Uh, so I'm, I'm kind of low on like the playability, but that doesn't diminish how awesome I think this card is. I so mono white is already seen playing standard. I don't think that this is necessarily uh, the type of card that that deck needs, mm -hmm. but I do think that it's another tool for the arsenal. And then 
with the amount of dual lands that we have in standard, I think that you could still like make this work alongside Brotherhood's End. Maybe that's like a little ambitious because of the RR or whatever, but like I'm pretty sure that you can do an almost entirely like white producing mana base with uh, at least 12, if not 16 sources of like a secondary color to do some shenanigans. And then I'm sure that there will be plenty of people memeing with this in Pioneer and Modern. Uh, I don't think it'll be as good there, certainly a little bit slow. But for standard, I think that this seems completely reasonable to me. Card demands a gatherer search, right? Like you want to know what kind of tricks. And obviously like Blasphemous Act was a big part of Boris right. Reckoner's appeal. Are there effects like well, that you can turn to? And I didn't play Blasphemous Act. I never played Blasphemous Act. Oh, that's true. That's so, true. Yep. It's 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 easy, right? Like you see it and you're like, oh, a combo, like lick and stick, like this this is the thing that I'm gonna do. And Raptor just found like the cheaper, better, more utility version of of that card. So uh yeah, do some digging for sure and try and figure out what the best thing is. Maybe it is damaging it multiple times over a few turns, or maybe it is just mm -hmm. like a big blasphemous act type of thing. Yeah, we will see. All right, next up, Crawling Chorus. I'm going to need you to hover over this one. I know that you're on. Yeah, the I actually have seen this one. Uh, oh, my this God, is, dude. This so is creepy. a weirdo. Yeah. I I actually hate that this card is as good as it is. So this is dub mm -hmm. for 1-1, one, one, creature Phyrexian Horror, Toxic 1. When this dies, create a 1-1 one, one colorless Phyrexian Might artifact creature token with Toxic 1, and this creature can't block. And it's just so creepy, but like, there are so many decks that could have used a Doom Traveler, you know? And this is certainly not as good as making a 1-1 Spirit, but I think that if there are any sort of things that you can get up to with, like, Toxic and having that matter, then it'll be completely fine. And uh, the creature on the back end is an artifact creature, so maybe that matters too. Doom Traveler is always good. What do you think is the creepiest part about this card? Because it it's undeniably creepy. Like, what is it about it specifically? Well, I'm, on, I'm on the text only. I'll go to the checklist real quick. Okay, yeah, take a little peek at it. Uh, I mean, just certainly like all the faces, but like multiple arms kind of like crawling at you is kind of weird, but it's, I, I think it's the eyes for me, man. I don't know. Mm, it's interesting because I also find this creepy. I find this creepy for a completely different reason. And basically, if I'm going to tell this story, I just have to give up. Dive in. Well, I have to give up any pretense that I'm ever going to like not give full divulgence of my past to the audience. And I, I think I'm ready to do that. Like I'm probably not going back to a legal <laughs> career. So I am very happy to just be who I am and admit to all of my flaws and mistakes. But in high school, I remember a particular time where uh, I had taken a large amount of hallucinogenic substances. And Oh, yeah, dude, whatever. Everything, everything turned in to triangles. And oh. like, I, I, I told my friends that I'm just like, guys, everything is fucking triangles. And it became kind of a meme in my friend group. But I was, I was just like in that moment, very afraid of triangles. And so it's very striking to me that this undeniably creepy card comes and presents itself uh, in triangular shape. That is wild. Yeah, that's that's like it's personal. Yeah, yeah. It, this does feel like a personal attack against me. That's really weird. I, I, I mean. I'm sure that there is something out there math related where it's like everything is triangles or whatever, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't know. And I don't know why the impetus for this would be 
a triangle or anything. I, I mean, it kind of looks like the the Elish Norn. Like, I don't exactly know what's going on with Elish if it's like a headpiece or the actual shape of her head, but it does have like yeah. that kind of shape to it. Hmm. Mysteries. Yes, we will never know, and I am completely okay with that. Yep, I can live with it. All right. Uh, no more looking at art for the cards. Anyway, Doom Doom Traveler, great card. Uh, this is probably not as good, but very good. Will fit in a lot of places. And yeah. uh, like Doom Traveler is in Pioneer, right? But now you get to double up if you want to. Uh, that's that's a big deal. Oh, repeatability wait, of these effects. No, because it was it was OG Innistrad. Uh, which was, yeah, pre Pioneer. Yeah, which was not legal because when Liliana became legal, it was a big deal. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You are correct. Okay, so no. Doom Traveler never saw a reprint. I don't think so, man. Who, Too who good. We just got we got all the I, bad ones. Yeah, I can't keep any track. But there there's a larger number of this effect, and like you said, uh, you know, having multiples can be a big deal as far as enabling certain strategies. Yeah, more is better. Uh, next up, Duelist of Deep Faith, one dub, two two creature, Phyrexian soldier, toxic one. As long as it's your turn, this has first strike. Okay. Not gonna lie, I, <laughs> I, for, I think it was my brain like wishful thinking, but I thought it was double strike. Oh, uh, okay. This okay. is way worse. I don't know why I would put this on the list. Yeah, I was, I was like, oh, this seems like a fine common. Like I'm, I'm good with it existing and limited. But yeah, I was now like, I understand how I was like double strike, toxic. Like let's go. You know, they they've dabbled in white infect stuff before. And now I I just look like an asshole for putting okay. this on the list. So we can just I, skip this. I forgive you. What if it had double strike though? Can you It'd be a pretty good card? Or what if what if the checklist is wrong and the actual card says? Nope. Right? I'm looking at the card. All right. Planar disruption. One dub, enchantment or enchant artifact creature or planeswalker, enchanted permanent can't attack or block, and its activated abilities can't be activated. This is just really good, right? Uh I mean, really, really strong pacifism effect for sure. Just covering all of your bases i'm kind of like rereading it looking for the fine text like what's what's wrong with this card and the answer yeah. is nothing especially after the the whole duelist fiasco sure of yeah. five seconds ago i'm like this is just a rest plus for two mana right no this seems quite strong uh you know very innocuous not a card that'll leap off the page at you but it damn. did to me i was shuts, like two mana removal let's go shuts down everything yeah this goes this goes real wide yeah, so uh, I don't know, not not a whole lot to say, I guess, but real good. The Especially end. in like the sideboard context, you just get to cover everything, like uh, no yeah. matter what you're worried about. Phyrexian Vindicator. Uh, I guess like they they can't they can't block anymore. They can still do their own combo shenanigans. Stuff, but, yeah, you know, if you're talking about like red aggro needing an answer to it. Uh, a little, little splashy splash. It's not that mm -hmm. crazy. Mm -hmm. Uh, on to blue cards. We have Tekathal Inquiry, Inquiry Dominus, 2UU, 3-5, Legendary Creature for Exine Horror, Flying, if you would proliferate, proliferate twice instead. 1PP, I guess. Could we, could we just use the Phyrexian mana as Ps? I wish we wouldn't. I wish we wouldn't use 1PP, but... 1-F-F. Okay, there you go. 1-Fi-Fi. That works. Phi is okay. Phi is yeah. Isn't that actually... What does the Phi symbol look like? Oh, and I, need to, I need to know this for my own Phi Greek letter. One Phi Phi. Remove... It looks counters. like that. It's, it's, a good, it's a good crossover. Okay. 
Remove three counters from among other artifacts, creatures, and planeswalkers you control. Put an indestructible counter on this. Cycle. I've seen these multiple times across my uh, across my feed, and they're all very interesting. Prolifer- proliferating twice is a big deal, particularly with like another combo-ish card I saw somewhere else in this set. I don't remember the specific text, but I was like, uh, damn, if you put a few of these out there on the battlefield, it was Planeswalker based where like Planeswalkers gained the proliferate yeah. ability, I think. Yep. Um, so it, was, it just like reminded me of own play, old Planeswalker prison decks. And then it also gave the Planeswalkers an ultimate with like a time walk. And yeah, maybe this well. is, yeah, maybe this is part of that where you just kind of go off and you, you do the dice thing and you just start stacking dice all over the place. I, I like decks like that as long as they aren't very good. I think they're kind of a nightmare when they're the best thing to be doing. Um, but I like when they exist. And this card could be a fine part of that. But really, all these are so interesting because if you have these counters readily available, just having access to these indestructible threats seems very, very good to me when you're like building strategies around them, uh, knowing they have that little extra degree of protection. Really, really nice insurance policy. And also, if you have set up ahead of time, very easy to do, right? This is just asking you to play this as a five drop instead. And then you have right. this indestructible effect available. And keep in mind too, you don't have to fire it. You can just hold it and it becomes this real deterrent for your opponent. So uh, I think all of these cards have some potential. This one, again, doesn't leap off the page as like this defined standard or anything, but I, I do think it's a card worth building around, worth exploring. I don't like this one as much as the other ones. Mm-hmm. Uh because it does have that extra one on the indestructible counter thing. So like like you mentioned, you basically have to play it as a five drop if you care about oh, is, that. Is that not on all of them? I don't think it's on all of them, no. I mean, okay. we're going to get to some of the other ones for cool. sure. But I, I cool. think I think there were a couple of them that were just like, you know, five, five, do something, get a counter, which was like pretty, pretty awesome, honestly. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, if, if you are interested in proliferating, certainly doing it twice, I don't even think it's like a, a strict like this is twice as good or whatever because it feels like things get like progressively better the more counters they have right mm-hmm. it's like the sixth counter on your planeswalker is a little bit more important than the fifth counter and so on so it feels it, close to exponential in a lot of ways yeah kind of and uh we're gonna get through a lot of proliferate cards honestly too so uh it's just about finding like the best thing that you actually want to be doing and making sure that yeah on turn five you can play this with indestructibility up if you care about that um but it has the potential to do a lot of powerful stuff but i don't know like these cards and i think the kaya that we talked about like any sort of edict type of thing is is looking really good oh yeah for sure huge upgrade for those cards yeah like the the big edict not like sack a small thing necessarily but like sack the biggest thing yep uh anyway jace the perfected mind two you phi legendary planeswalker jace loyalty five completed uh plus one until your next turn up to one target creature gets minus three minus so minus two target player mills three cards then if a graveyard has 20 or more cards in it you draw three cards otherwise you draw a card Minus X target player mills three times X cards. So uh, potentially a three mana planeswalker with loyalty three. And then 
you can minus two to draw a card and get chugging to more powerful minus twos or like the the the, the plus one is is good you know i think mm-hmm. people really underestimated how good the jace friends prodigy plus was going to be yeah and this and, is coming down in a similar time frame as well if not earlier yeah. like jace friends prodigy wasn't flipping on turn three a lot of the time this this is and that effect was still impactful yeah, I mean, obviously, like the the rest of the abilities on the card, maybe are not as powerful, but it gives you something to build towards that is relatively easy to do for a three mana planeswalker, which is pretty incredible, honestly. I think this card is straight fire, actually, and would be very high on my theoretical top ten list. The reason why it looks so good, and something that I sort of glanced over on the first pass, that minus two. It, it, accounts for either player so very very easy to use this as the backbone of your self mill strategy and if you're doing that with other cards anyway you're going to hit that 20 card threshold at a reasonable juncture in constructed and then you have minus two draw three cards like that is an ability on a planeswalker that is just going to win games in many many spots while it protects itself and also there's an ultimate which can just flat out win the game and like this is the type of card where you can build around this you can have for jace the perfected mind in your deck be very happy at all junctures of the game when you're drawing one and i just think like this deck this card has the potential to spawn multiple decks multiple archetypes around it that can actually define standard and maybe stretch back to older formats as well it's a really really unassuming card on its face because the individual abilities don't stand out but i think the total package you get here if you are building around jace the perfected mind like this is the linchpin of multiple strategies in my eyes yeah i I think this card is really good i've i've had to kind of like temper my expectations i understand i understand i've been hearing about energy planeswalker it's like am i am i getting carried away here um, but I, I don't think so. I do, I do think that this is really good. I don't think that this is, you know, Jace friends, prodigy level good or anything. Certainly not like that card. It just had way too much utility. Right. But this is a very, very good and also very fair version of a three mana planeswalker. So, uh, I'm, I'm in man, but I've been wrong before. For sure, for sure. And, you know, I, I might be wrong again, but there's there's something unique about this card. And I tend not to get too excited about Planeswalkers anymore because I have been burnt so many times. Uh, this one feels different to me. I don't know. I, I think there is a lot of potential for Jace's perfected mind to be an archetype definer. All right, next up, prologue to Phyresis. One you instant, each opponent gets a poison counter, draw a card. Ryan? Hmm. Hmm. I remember you talking about incidental ways the control give deck, poison yeah. counters, yeah, and then having like proliferate control where it's like, well, I got this thing clocking you. I just need to get in the initial one. It's this is easy. really clever, right? Yeah, pretty easy. It replaces itself, so you're not giving up anything. It's an instant. So if you are, you know, kind of a prototypical control deck where you want to play a lot on your opponent's turn and keep up counter magic, you just get to do this when there's time. It, it doesn't really matter when it happens. It's just nice that it happens. Uh, so, mm-hmm. uh, very interesting. Definitely 
a builder and, and th this set just delivering on so many archetypes to build around. It's so, so cool. Honestly, I'm, I'm really impressed with it. Yeah. And it, it doesn't feel like it has the scars problem where everything is just kind of like pigeonholed into the one thing that it does. Right. It's mm -hmm. like, Oh, well, you know, this proliferate stuff. It's like, I can I do it on this thing or this thing or this thing. Right. And yeah, you're not just stuck with like, Oh, I guess I try and like, proliferate my planeswalker and that's all i can do uh there's you know creature based stuff like creature list stuff with like these spells and everything uh and then there's just stuff like oil and, and poison like you can just do whatever the hell you want yeah exciting times to be a proliferating poisoning mage these archetypes never quite got there in the past but this this might be it this might be the glue all right next up no poison Malkator's Watcher, 1U, Artifact Creature, Phyrexian Drone, 1-1, one, one. Flying Vigilance, when this dies, draw a card. Pretty simple effect, but uh, we, we've seen this stuff matter before. I think it being an Artifact Creature is a huge part of the equation here, right? Like any of yeah, that type of it, setup stuff, you, you can really get paid on. If it wasn't an Artifact Creature, I just wouldn't have even included it. Yep. Uh, yeah, there's, I that. there's some random stuff. Uh, I think there's only like one card with affinity for artifacts and there's one that's like affinity for equipment or whatever mm -hmm. uh but there are plenty of cards that are like you know for each artifact you have blah 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 right so uh there's also like the blue white blade splicer that was like if three yeah. artifacts etb'd right so it's like just getting your artifact count up is going to matter for a lot of the stuff that you're trying to do and not that this is great but if the artifact thing that you're trying to do involves bunch of creatures like moving in and out of play then this might be something you're interested in so yeah good glue good glue perhaps uh distorted curiosity i like this one you're gonna love this one to you sorcery corrupted this spell costs two less to cast if an opponent has three or more poison counters draw two cards dude let's go the pieces the pieces are here gerald put these cards together i'm actually super excited to see what you can do with this in limited if is this like what the limited archetype looks like uh, in in blue, are you just supposed to set up that first poison counter, play defensive, draw some cards? Like that would be very very cool. I love a good divination. This seems like an absolutely fine one for that type of archetype. Yeah, like it doesn't seem that hard to get them to three poison counters, and then you just have you sorcery draw two cards. Like I I am willing to play crappy poison cards if it means that I just get like a one mana draw to yeah you know? it feels like you you might get to do all this stuff incidentally that's the best part about it like it's right you're just doing your stuff your control decky stuff you're drawing cards you're finding answers and all the while in the background this proliferate stuff is going on the poison counters are accumulating and you're just like winning the game without trying to win the game my favorite way to go about it all right check this one out bring the ending one you instant counter target spell unless its controller pays two corrupted counter that spell instead if its controller has three or more poison counters it's nice when they just give us the full deck all together <laughs> right like, well you just, have to because it's yeah. like one set blocks right yeah it just takes a lot of the guesswork out of it so slap these three cards together and i think you do have a deck going and you figure out like what is your cheap threat how else are you presenting these poison counters and certainly there are options for that in the set um well for for cheap threat does thrumming bird count uh, you know I, yeah i've played thrumming bird before 
not surprised. I will say, no, it does not count. It is probably not going to be good enough. I think you need something a little bit better than Thrummy. But something like the, uh, I forget the name of the legend. We talked about the Demir legendary, uh, the Venser, the Venser corpse puppet, you know, things like that yeah. being your yeah. early game. That seems completely fine to me. So, all right, final blue card. Minor misstep, you instant counter target spell with mana value one or less. Mm, this this card is like I don't I don't get the hype. It's it's fine. Like it, it really is fine, but I've seen people go absolutely berserk over this card, and y'all are just falling into the trap of this being named similarly to mental misstep. It and is, it has similar text. It's like yeah, but it you know, doesn't. compare compare peak to Gataxian probe. One there of them is go. busted. That's one of them is do. busted. Yeah, that's all you gotta uh, do. It is that simple. But peak is an instant too. You know, it's like hmm. peak should be way better if you don't care about just it costing a mana more. Which uh, you know, it's it's not even like twice as much. It's just like a million times more. than One is infinitely <laughs> more than zero. That is, right. that is exactly the issue here. One is infinitely more than zero. And like, I'm not saying this card sees zero play. I do think there might be spots where you're pretty happy to play this, you know, particularly against things like uh, Cascade decks. You know, maybe that's a fine spot for this to go. Although do they, they do have a mana value. That's why they're able to Cascade. So yeah, that works. Uh, yeah, but you could also just play Flusterstorm. Spell Pierce usually works. There's yep. things like Invasive Surgery, right? Mm -hmm. There's a lot of so, options. This is another option, but not a game changer in my eyes. So Mental Misstep busted because you're trading zero mana for their mana that they spend, right? Yep. And this is basically, at best, trading one for one Although you are the person in the position who has to like hold their man open. Right. So that's a worse position to be in. Yeah. A much and worse position. The the cheap counter spells that I like are the ones that potentially trade up on mana, spell snare, spell pierce, things like that. Like those are the ones that ended up seeing play. This one I do think will see play, but I think it's more a result of I need to stop my opponent from doing early stuff than it is about like how busted or incredible this card is on rate or anything. Yeah, I, I'm still skeptical. Just be, just because it's like so variable in its output, like you just have to have things line up. Um, and that is the opposite of mental misstep. So yeah, that's the other thing too, is like it it might not line up, right? Uh in in legacy, there's hella one mana cards. So mm -hmm. misstep was incredible. But in standard, I think I played more missteps than most people, but it was still only like a two of. Two. Yeah, that's what, that's what I remember, uh, you know, in the Delver decks playing around two and, you know, it having a huge impact on those games, but you just couldn't afford to go all in on it because it was so variable. Right. And then your opponent plays like a Snapcaster later or a Geist or a Restoration Angel, you know, like there are variable mana curves in standard. So I think that Minor Misstep is a card where if you are blue, something that can't deal with like an early creature or whatever, like say you're playing like the mono blue gin deck, for mm -hmm. example, mm -hmm. I think that that would be a reasonable place for this card to see play because you are really weak to a, a one drop creature. But that's that's kind of about it. Yeah. So are you sideboarding it in that scenario? Like it only matters if you went yeah. first, right? Like it's still a very very ineffective card in a lot of spots yeah i mean there, there are definitely spots on turn three where you could double counter but you're 
probably not trading up on mana with them, right? But, yes. you know, maybe there's a spot where you like counter their one drop and, and bounce their three drop or something and then maybe do something else with your mana. So, uh, yeah, the, the problem for sure is that it is not trading up on mana. Absolutely. And yeah, the fact that you have to go first too. But I think uh, this sees actual zero standard play. I think okay. it's just hugely flawed in, in that context. I think it will see some, but uh, it'll also probably see some at the beginning when it shouldn't be played. But when I'm not people are making that. minor missteps in their deck building? Eh, major missteps. Okay. Uh, anyway, that's that's the blue stuff. On to black, we have uh, Vran, Vran, Executioner Thane, 1B, 2-2, Legendary Creature, Phyrexian, Vampire. Vampire is not necessarily key for standard but maybe for pioneer and stuff like that uh whenever one or more other creatures you control die each opponent loses two life and you gain two life this ability triggers only once each of course it only triggers once each Boo. turn it is, it is a lot now it, it would be broken if it triggered more than once each turn uh it could, it, it could still be fine under those contexts but i think it needs uh it, it needs kind of like some broader synergies like vampires might have to matter Phyrexian tribal might have to matter. It, like this card on its face is not super exciting, especially that it has the legendary type as well. So, uh, legendary not necessarily a downside, but I, I know what you're in saying. this context, you can't, you, yeah, you can double up on them. But this is this doesn't specify like your turn specifically, right? So you can do stuff on your turn and on their turn. And if you are able to set that sort of thing up, like draining for per turn cycle it is still a lot man okay so yeah. and if you I have control over it with something like an, an anvil or you know right. witch's oven those type of effects maybe yeah. maybe there is something there and the the body itself not super impactful like you would expect to see some sort of rider on this like death touch or whatever but mm -hmm. uh i think the number is so big that i'm i'm not really surprised that it doesn't have a rider you know, yeah. and yep. I think people are just like only once a turn and legendary boo. And I'm just like, ah, this still seems like a lot to me for, for like a two good. mana creature. Could still be good. I mean, if you find the right engine to insert this in, uh, like your your point about crossing two turn cycles is really what makes this card shine, right? Like four is maybe an insurmountable amount for an opponent to deal with. I don't know, man. You just think about, you know, normal recto sacrifice but with this card in the mix mm -hmm. and how you're kind of like slowly draining them out with uh, like Epicures and uh, Anvil and, and whatever. And then this is just like doubling up your production, right? Which is kind of incredible because it is often a, a very slow burn. And then there's sacrifice decks in, in Pioneer that are already pretty solid, like they're tier two or whatever, but like, this thing also like speeds them up quite a bit. So I don't know. I think this card is good. I, think I, I expect this probably triggered on itself when it started and that proved to be way too mm. powerful. And we're looking at a severely nerfed version of this effect, if I had to guess. Yeah, I don't know. That's, that's interesting. It, it is fun to look at cards and it's just like, did this get... Where did it start? Yeah, did this get nerfed or buffed? Like, what do you think? This, this was like a card that got nerfed over time to me. Maybe. And, and maybe still good, despite that. Yeah. Uh, Vraska, Betrayal Sting. Did we talk about Vraska yet? I don't think we did. Yeah. Oh, no, did we, we did. Yeah, that, that yeah. was the last card. That was the last card that we did. Yeah, yeah, we definitely talked about this card. All right, deleting that from the list. 
drown in ichor, which I'm searching for, but I know it's like 1B, minus 4, minus 4. Yep. Proliferate, yep. Sorcery, proliferate. Not bad. Yeah, yeah going back to that blue-black control deck that we're trying to put together, uh, sorcery speed is, is a tough ask in uh, constructed say we. formats. Say we. Yeah, I don't know, this man. might be a me thing. That's, that's yeah. fair enough. Uh, yeah, but uh, I think this is a nice little removal spell. Also, it interacting with things that might be like indestructible could be a really big thing. We know there's a few of those creatures, although uh, five toughness on the blue one. I'm not sure where the toughness lies on the other cards like that. Uh, comes up short with things like Phyrexian Obliterator or its white counterpart. So I think four four very carefully chosen number in this context to not hit everything, but I bet it still has some good targets. And it's not hard to get a lot of value out of that proliferate ability. Yeah, definitely agree with that. Uh, Grasp of Darkness was a card that I think a lot of decks wanted, and the mana cost ended up being a little too prohibitive. Mm -hmm. So it being at 1B, even at sorcery speed, I think is nice, because if you want some minus effect versus uh, just a straight removal spell, like now you have access to it, that's cool. It's an option, for sure. Yep. All right, Always last black, more options. Last black card, Vata Rebirth, B, Artifact. Whenever another artifact or creature you control is put into a graveyard from the battlefield, put an oil counter on this. 2B tap, remove four oil counters from this. Return target creature card from your graveyard to the battlefield. Activate only as a sorcery. Got to think about this one, man. I, I need to really run it through my brain juices and see what it comes up with. It, it feels challenging. All right. So it feels challenging. Uh, there was a card that we talked about that was like treasure mappy or whatever, mm -hmm. but was two mana to start. I think being one mana to start is way easier. Yeah. And there are definitely a decent amount of decks that are already doing stuff that would allow this to trigger. Four is a lot because... Potentially at that point, especially if you've spent one of your mana on casting this thing, uh, by the time you get to four counters on this and like have mana, something in your graveyard, et cetera, et cetera, it's like, I don't know, maybe I could just like cast the thing that I'm reanimating unless you're purposefully binning, uh, you know, Titan of Industry or something. Mm -hmm. I don't know. So this this seems close to me, but this is another kind of those cards where it, it looks better to me than it actually is. Uh, the thing that comes to mind for me with this card is the fact that it, it doesn't trigger off non-tokens, right? So that that's where I want to go. I want to look at things it, like Anvil. Uh, like it's a non-token, I was off it. I was oh, off yeah, it. yeah. Like, like White Bitter Blossom, which is quite good at making bodies. Uh, you know, we yep. mentioned our Doom Traveler. So there are some some ways to kind of get extra stuff to put through the vat of rebirth so uh you know is it just a good value engine in a deck that is very focused on that are you supposed to do things like get your titan of industry to the graveyard and work towards that with vat of rebirth are you a weird esper mid-range deck that uses jace to find the things you're trying to reanimate and you're proliferating on top of it at, at, at the very least this card makes you want to explore some stuff, which is, you know, sort of the MO of this set. It is titillating, I would say. It makes you want to look at all of these different options. Yeah. 
All right, on to red cards. Uh, Solfim, Mayhem, Dominus, 2RR, 5-4, Legendary Creature, Phyrexian Horror. If a source you control would deal non-combat damage to an opponent or a permanent and an opponent controls, it deals double that damage to that player or permanent instead. One five five discard two cards, put an indestructible counter on this. So this is another one that has one mana, but I just looked. The black one is just five five, okay. but it's all it's five mana to cast. So okay. maybe that's kind of like the difference. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Uh, doubling non combat damage gets real ugly real fast. You just find your burn spell of choice, throw it at your opponent's face, and you're you're sixing them all of a sudden. Uh, the fact that this will be challenging to remove. From the battlefield is nice for sure other sources of non-combat damage interesting as well uh, you know things like pinging effects and uh damage over time type effects become pretty intriguing with sulfum and you know five four body for four that's pretty nice for a red deck that's trying to kill you quickly i think this card sees some play i don't know if it's a slam dunk but i have a feeling you can find a good home for it and and get value out of it yeah, I don't think it's great. And 5-4 is certainly worse to me than 4-5. Like we did just talk about the grasp. Yep. But also, uh, there's just a lot of other stuff too. Like there's there's new lava coil and things of that nature. So Yep, 4 uh, very vulnerable. It's, it's possible that discard two cards is a prohibitive cost if this is kind of like the top end of your red deck also. Which kind of stinks, but it's also possible that it's big red could, time, Gerald. Big red time, right? It's possible that this could be an upside in some situations too. But yeah, also you know, big red or like gruel that sort of thing. Uh, we could you know play that and win forty percent of our games. That's always on the table. I'm thinking. I'm going back to our last card and thinking about uh, you know this card being the pitch outlet for something that has a comes into play trigger where it deals like damage to an opponent when it comes into play and this just doubles it and you like i don't even know if this effect is it exists so, but just like 10 your opponent out of nowhere because you went sulfum into your reanimation thing there's a five mana i believe it was common domain card that mm. was a face tone okay that's that's a lot of work for sure um eh, you, you got triumphs man it's it's probably fine maybe a lot of work to do 10. That was what I'll say. If you did 20, then you, sure. you, might, sell, yeah. you might sell me on it. A Maybe there's better. I yeah. mean, there's there's also the, the haste enchantment, right? So, I mean, there's yep. there's nine because the fair. other thing's a 4-4. Four, four. Uh, fair enough. Fair enough. I, I think it needs a little bit more, but, uh, you know, you'd have to do a gatherer search to see if it's out there. Uh, cool archetype, though, to build around for sure. Capricious Hellraiser. Three RRR, six mana total. 4-4 four, four, creature, Phyrexian Dragon. This spell costs three less to cast if you have nine or more cards in your graveyard. Flying. When this enters the battlefield, exile three cards at random from your graveyard. Sure will be fun watching people try and figure out how to do that. Mm. Uh, choose a non-creature, non-land card from among them and copy it. You may cast the copy without paying its mana cost. What a weird card. Weird, weird, weird card. I guess like. There's something to be said that you, you do have some level of control over exactly what cards you're going to cast without paying its mana cost. Like you could go ahead and manage your graveyard effectively. And then 
This is a enters the battlefield trigger, not a cast trigger. So kind of surprised by that, honestly. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there, there's something here, Gerald. This card is not as I don't know if it looks innocuous. I, I think this card is even more devious than it looks on its face, where you can just potentially set up your omniscience or whatever completely broken thing you're trying to do uh, with with a large amount of certainty. And that intrigues me more than this just being like a fair card where I play the game and I have nine cards in my graveyard and I get something at random uh, from three of them. I, I think I think there is a way to cheat on this. Well, yeah, you can cheat by just casting it for six. Mm -hmm. You know, if you're doing omniscient stuff uh, for standard, I don't know if there's a relic of progenitus type of thing that's like pretty easy to manage your own graveyard or whatever. But uh, there's lion sash and things of that nature where it's like, yeah, if you want to work hard to only have an omniscience to hit, then I'm pretty sure you could do that. Yeah, maybe maybe it's not supposed to be quite as directed and you're just supposed to do something like, uh, you know, ramp deck that is red and green, this Titan of Industry. Uh, so can Hearst target your own graveyard as well? Or does that have to be opponent's graveyard? Uh, I should know that, but I actually don't. I think you yeah. can, but I'm not sure. Let me do a quick quick google on unlicensed hearst except i can't spell the word unlicensed i can because of this card uh exile up to two target cards from a single graveyard so yeah you can't hit your own i okay. i vaguely remember oh yeah because you could like pump your own merc tide that's mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. i i like this card because like getting getting nine cards is not easy you know but i feel like there's probably enough cantrippy stuff and like tormenting voice sort of things around that if you wanted to get this in on the cheap, then you could. I mean, you're not going to be able to do it. What about our boy Jace? Like, mill three right. cards from your deck? That's, that's that's pretty easy. I mean, Blue Red was certainly one of the places I was going to go where it's like, th think about how the Epiphany decks were set up, right? Mm -hmm. And how mm -hmm. quickly you could turn through cards and everything. And then I you could make the argument that like, well, like if you're spending a bunch of mana drawing cards, like, to get to nine cards on turn five, does it matter that you're making this cost less? And it's like, yeah, you get to double spell at that point, right? And like every future one is going to be cheaper and everything. So uh, I, I think this card is quite good, man. I like the body is not necessarily going to kill someone on its own. Like four, four flyer is kind of whatever, but the fact that it's potentially really cheap and you're getting card advantage from it and you can like blink it or bounce it or whatever, uh, all, all that stuff seems real nice to me. Dude, you can just snap this off, actually. You, you you complete your Jace, you play it for three mana, and you just hard minus it, and then you mill nine cards on the spot. And you just you just have this card ready to go on the next turn. I'm not saying that's good. Or or you, you just pick up yeah. and then untap minus turn. three yourself. Sure. Yeah, right? Absolutely, yeah. And if, if you're safe at that point, you basically guaranteed get to do it. I mean, this, again, very much feels like an archetype to me. Worth exploring, for sure. Yeah, I, I think this dragon is awesome. Uh, it's, it's hard to do. It's certainly like very archetype specific, maybe not as open-ended as a lot of the other cards in the set, but I do think this card is good. Mm -hmm. uh, now I have to bounce around. There's a lot of red cards that I put on the list and a lot of them are kind of minor. I think this one is pretty good though. Exuberant Fusling R for an 01 creature, Phyrexian Goblin Warrior, Trample, love seeing Trample on an 01, but 
This gets plus one, plus oh for each oil counter. I assume on it, the, the text yes. version just says for each oil counter. No, <laughs> it's like, it, just, it says on it. Uh, it's like, oh, you have oil counters? Thanks. Uh, when this enters the battlefield and whenever another creature or artifact you control is put into a graveyard from the battlefield, put an oil counter on this. So okay. uh, this this can get out of control pretty quick, especially with the anvil type of shenanigans, yeah. right? And I mean, like, I, how much power do you need out of your one drop, right? Three. Three is the answer where this card becomes, like, extremely, extremely powerful. And I don't think it's a stretch to get there. And it's realistic that you get four, you get five. And if your opponent is trying to not interact with you, not play creatures, I mean, maybe this just takes over a game in a lot of scenarios. It's, it's an interesting card for sure. Yeah, I like it a lot because the, the ceiling is very high. And yes, the floor is fine. Yeah, the floor is fine. So I don't know, man. Uh, yeah, this just seems quite good to me. Also a goblin, if that matters for things. I think the goblin lord is still running around. Yeah, that sounds right. Uh, Churning Reservoir, our artifact. At the beginning of your upkeep, put an oil counter on another target non-token artifact or creature you control. Two tap, create a 1-1 one, one red Phyrexian goblin creature token. Activate only if an oil counter was removed from a permanent you controlled this turn or a permanent with an oil counter on it was put into a graveyard this turn. Quite a mouthful on this yes. card. Anvil number two? Sort of. I mean... Like you need you need something else to do the sacrificing, right? Yeah. But and it is not bad. Non token artifact or creature you control, which I think limits it quite a bit. Uh well for for the front end of it, I don't think that that's that big of a deal. Cause it's not really like you want to put oil counters on your tokens anyway. Well, it, right? it's not it's not self-replicating in that case, right? Meaning what? Like you oh, just the, the, put a foil on the, the goblin? Yes. yes. Yeah, but I, I think that that's fine. because yeah, yeah. No, good safety valve. Right. So the thing I really, really don't like about this is the two activation costs, right? Mm -hmm. I, I'd much rather pay two up front and then have this be like one tap or something. But depending on what sort of oil stuff you're trying to do and how much that matters, I think is going to determine whether or not this is actually playable or not. I mean, it, it's fine with the Fusling and is maybe like a very, very slow make 1-1 one, one sort of engine, but mm -hmm. it's very, very slow. Yeah, this doesn't leap off the page at me. It, it seems okay. Uh, doesn't have me running to build a deck. All right. Sawblade Scamp, R, 1-1, one, one, Creature, Phyrexian Beast, Haste. Whenever you cast a non-creature spell, put an oil counter on this. Tap, remove an oil counter from this. It deals one damage to each opponent. Hmm. Hmm. I'm, I'm just, I'm, I'm percolating a little bit. Cast trigger, whenever you cast a non-creature spell. Reminds me uh, in some ways of the, what was the wall? that like untapped every time you cast a non-creature spell and you could ping off the wall. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. Uh, you, you don't know the name of it either, though. I don't know if it was actually a wall. Uh, okay. Well, there, yeah, there's there there Thermo Alchemist. Right? Thermo Alchemist, that's what I was thinking of, yes. Yes, not actually a wall, right? Just an 04? Yeah, 03. 03. Yeah, uh, I mean, that card mattered. Saw play in multiple formats, I think, and this is sort of a similar version of that effect except it's on a one one body with some haste so 
immediate impact. I believe this is something Mono Red wants to do. I like the fact that this is a haste, like normal creature. And then when the ground gets locked up, then you start going face, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's cool. And with the Phyrexian Furnace thing doubling damage, you were talking about pinging effects. This works well with that. Yeah, it does. It does. Goes to two. Okay. Uh, the more I think about this card, the more it becomes enticing to me. I, I think it just like its baseline is totally fine. What you're looking for out of your one drop, and then you get some utility in the late game. Uh, scales very well. You do have to sort of build your deck. I don't think you have to build around this card. You have to have some consideration of this card, though, for sure. When your deck building, yeah. you can't just insert it in everything. Uh, you need some yeah. amount of non-creatures, right? But I yeah. think the way that the red decks are leaning, uh, it's not that wild to think that... I, I mean, especially a lot of the cards that we just talked about were one-mana cards, right? Things like Experimental Synthesizer, just having like these cheap non-creature cards in your deck, right. I think that's going to be pretty normal. Right. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. Good ad. Good ad to red decks. Cool. Next one, I'm way too excited about, and I should have learned my lesson, but I haven't. Gleeful Demolition, our sorcery destroy target artifact. If you controlled that artifact, create three one one red Phyrexian goblin creature tokens. Uh, we've done this before. We've absolutely done this before. What was what was this card called in the first go around? Kaldatha Rebirth. Kaldatha Rebirth. Yeah. I mean that that was a powerful, scary card. It was sort of a trap given the format it existed in. Uh, but this one is slightly better and slightly worse. Like you get to main deck some, some smelts yeah. if you want. And then, but the, the problem is, is like, now you're like, all right, kill my own thing. And then they, I don't, I don't know how many cards actually do this or whatever, but it's like, they can bounce your artifact then to make it so you don't get the goblins or they can just like kill it Destroy in response. Themselves. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Some risk there. Uh, so it's it's not it's not perfect, but you get some utility out of it. And again, in the context of Red Black Sacrifice, I think this is quite good. It's a lot of bodies, uh, a good, reliable way to make some tokens, dispose of uh, extra stuff. You don't have to you don't have to destroy a non-token artifact, right? And there's plenty yeah. of things kill your, that kill your blood, kill your yeah. Yeah. one one thing that the Anvil makes. Uh, this is another way to get rid of your synthesizer on the cheap if you don't want to spend three mana to do it. So I think that that's awesome. Absolutely. There's something there. I, I'm in, I'm into this card. I, I think I'd be careful with it. It has the potential to burn you pretty bad, but there's, again, a cool deck to be made. Yeah, and this also allows you to get pretty wide, which I, I don't know how much you want to go down that rabbit hole, but... Well, there's, there's Battle Cry in this set, right? Like, that matters a bunch. Yeah, we should probably not do that because that was kind of the whole rebirth thing was mm -hmm. battle cry, uh, and the battle cry cards that I have seen do have not look that good. That is true. So, all right, uh, a couple cards left. Nahiri sacrifice one R sorcery as an additional cost to cast the spell. Sacrifice an artifact or creature with mana value X. This deals X damage divided as you choose among any number of target creatures. Hmm. Yeah, you don't like this one do you this being, I like, a source, this being a sorcery kind of kills it for me man i like this as a very very niche sideboard option like okay if you're playing any sort of like creature mirror this seems maybe kind of awesome to me this is just like plague wind for two mana basically <sighs> plague wind for two mana after you've played your what five drop I mean, it doesn't even have to be that big, though. 
That's the thing. Depends. Depends on the scenario. Like I, I could see this being important in like small ball mono red mirrors for sure. Right. Or or your, you know, a little bit of a slower mid-range deck that is playing against like mono white aggro or something. Mm-hmm. Right. Like it's pretty easy for your three drop that maybe you got some value from to then transfer into this and kind of just wipe their entire border. Is this your your best option though to do that? I mean, you're investing two cards at that point. You, you have already made a mana expenditure to get it to the point where it was killing enough things. Couldn't you just have expended that mana on the thing to be the answer? I mean, you could say that like brotherhood end is a better sideboard option and that might be true, but like, there are definitely going to be scenarios where your deck does not make RR all that effectively, right? Yeah, true. And true. like, say the ground has kind of stalled where you have a bunch of like three threes versus their their two power stuff. Like, then the whatever sweeper would reset you. But this being a sort of plague wind actually does matter, right? Because you get to keep everything else too if you've actually extended a decent amount. So I, I'm very skeptical, but I will say that the context of like just playing tremendous stuff and then using this card as like not with the goal to play my tremendous thing like Titan of Industry and then throw it to Nahiri's Sacrifice, obviously, because then you've just lost your Titan of Industry. But but something where like this is functioning as a bridge where you have a target in the mid game that you're very happy to hear your sacrifice. And then in the late game, it scales very well because your late game does consist of getting up to that seven mana threshold and having this, like you said, one-sided plague wind. Then I become pretty interested in this card. If you can find those type of setups, I, I don't immediately have a shell for that in mind, uh, but I, I, I believe it could exist for sure. Yeah. I think stuff like this is, is almost certainly way better Man, not even ten years ago, more like fifteen years ago. Mm, yeah, the way that the way that matchups played out, right? But I do think that there is a potential time and a place because, like, the small ball creature decks do still exist in a lot of instances. The problem sort of exists where you're right that it being a sorcery is not great, and not because like, oh, I'll use this in response to your removal spell or whatever, but it's like they could have haste creatures or yeah. creature lands, you know flash creatures like whatever where it's like oh this doesn't actually solve all the problems or whatever and then you know they could also just have planeswalkers or something right Right. so uh this this is definitely very very narrow in scope i'm just saying i i read a card like this i see a time and a place for it that's good that's that's what you should do with cards like this yeah that's what you should do with cards like this find a way it doesn't do any good to be like this is a shit card move on It, it does way more good to be like is there a spot where i can leverage this where is this more powerful than other options? And then you have that in your tool belt when the time comes. I remember when I read every card on a spoiler and was just like unplayable. They're all unplayable. And it's like, well, clearly that's not true. Right. Right. And it has become far more satisfying to look at cards and see the upside and where they fit in. And also, you know, hopefully be able to make a judgment as to how much that is going to matter. And I'm saying that this is going to matter not a lot, but the times when it is going to matter, it's going to feel like the most important card in the matchup, you know? Yep, that's cool. That's that's a great thing to identify. Last red card, Cacophony Scamp, R11, creature, Phyrexian Goblin Warrior. When this deals combat damage to a player, you may sacrifice it. If you do, proliferate. 
When this dies, it deals damage equal to its power to any target. Mog Fanatic, back after all these years. So I good mean, to see him again. Not I said Mog Fanatic. Drilled. I said. A uh, lot of like R11 adjacent creatures. Interesting that, abilities on them. Yeah. yeah. And it wasn't like we were hurting for those before, you know? So now we just have a ton of options. Yeah. So, you know, we talk about redundancy. I first thing I want to do is like, is there a deck where I play 31 drops and I, I could also rebirth them and like get some kind of value in the end game by just being able to vomit my hand onto the table because my deck is entirely one drops. Uh, I think the answer is probably no, but well, that is something no. worth worth exploring for sure. Yep. Uh, on a green, we have Thrun, Breaker of Silence, 3GG. 5-5, Legendary Creature Troll Shaman. This spell can't be countered. Trample. Uh, this can't be the target of non-green spells your opponents control or abilities from non-green sources your opponents control. As long as you... As, uh, as long as it's your turn, this has Indestructible. I think this is worse than it reads. I think there's a lot of big, scary text on this card that makes it seem like this is the truth. This is the answer. This is the new Carnage Tyrant. Uh, What's bad about it? Because I think this is pretty good. I think it is. For what it is. This is not a card I'm interested in playing. Not really my style. But I think that the text is appealing. I think its sizing is actually like laughable in the context of what green does these days. Like 5-5 five, five for 5 is... Not what I'm here for. Uh, you can get so much more out of your green cards. I think it being uncounterable doesn't jump off the page as something that's super important for standard. And you can only consider this card in standard context. Like I don't think it reaches back all that effectively. Agree. Uh, target of non-green spells your opponent's control or abilities from non-green sources. Wonder how much spells and standards skirt around that uh things like unleash the inferno yeah which is a green gold card or if yeah. there's you know putrefy type of thing yeah but the jundex can also play the edict uh which again those things look pretty damn Seem good more important yeah i think minus five will also be important uh as long as it's your turn Thrun has indestructible. That is actually something that really stands out to me because can always attack. Best, yeah, but one of the best use cases for a card like this is to, uh, you know, like you think about OG Thrun and what he did. It's that you had some uh, sweeper insulation as well. Uh, you had the regenerate clause on OG Thrun, if yeah, I recall correctly. Yeah. yeah, and like that's a really important part of the equation because the type of things you want to punish with this are like the hard control decks, things that do a really, really good job of just turtling up and now you play Thrun and they have no answers anymore. But you can sweep this. Like this is just very vulnerable to sweepers. And I think that's a fatal or, flaw in a card like this. Or you can use it with your own sweeper. Uh, you could. You that's can burn cool. down the house. You can ramp. Yeah, that's uh, cool. That, that's a I, nice application for it. I think that if any of these different four lines of text were not here, I would be less excited about it. But like all of them together are okay. Really nice. Like trample on your your big silly 
uh, you know, can't touch me kind of card is so good. Like Carnage Tyrant was good because of that, right? Otherwise, these things just get chumped for eternity. Uh, troll ascetic, and you know, like people were trying to like put equipment on their troll ascetic or whatever. Yeah, like, yeah. They found that out, you know what I mean? Uh, and even OG Thrun kind of had that problem to some it degree. Did. It did. But indestructible on your turn and trample is pretty nice. I don't think there are a lot of things that effectively block that. And I don't think that there are a ton of things that like target this and kill it. And I think that if it could be countered, well, that, that's a pretty big hole, right? Like you can't use this against some sort of blue deck. Um, so I don't know. I, I, I like all this text. I think it's all pretty good. I, I do think that this sort of thing is mostly a sideboard card because as you mentioned, for the most part, green five mana, you can do better in a general context. But if you're looking for something specific, I think that this is pretty good at doing what it's supposed to. Yeah, I think in standard right now, it's sort of easy to block this out, honestly. Like you just, you, you have enough cardboard and numbers to throw in front of it and, and make this less effective. So it can only really shine to me in the context of creatureless setups. And then I just well, think the, they're going to have enough outs to it. I mean, are you saying like you'll have a six toughness thing or that you're... No, just, maybe, maybe you trade, but like if you, if you trade you this card... You don't trade because it's indestructible on your turn. Right, right, right. Okay. That's what I'm saying. It can always yeah, attack. I'm, I'm thinking of it in the context of removal. Okay. No, fair enough. I, I misread that for sure. Okay. I'm I'm coming slightly around. I still think there's some holes in this card. Um, there are, dude. Absolutely. I mean, I don't think this thing is supposed to be like hexproof trample, haste, like no problems whatsoever, right? Right. Like, you need to find a niche application for it. Yeah. And I think that it is broad enough that there are going to be a wide swath of matchups where this is applicable to the point where this does see play in sideboards. Okay. That's a fine conclusion. I, I still think my point of like this not being akin to Carnage Tyrant stands. I and mean, Carnage Tyrant was a format defining card, main deckable, very, very important. Uh, I, I don't think this raises to that level, but it sounds like you agree with me on that point. So, so no dispute. Yeah. Here. Yeah. No, I do agree with that. And I think the fact that, Carnage Tyrant was main deckable, was indicative of a format that had some problems. Yeah, no, I agree with you. So uh, if we get to the point where Thrun is main deckable and like not just main deckable, but you're happy about it, you're just super stoked this is your best card, mm -hmm. then yeah, again, you got problems and yeah. that's not a great place to be. But thankfully, I don't think that we have the Carnage Tyrant sort of issue. Like I played with Carnage Tyrant. I hated it. Just like, big dopey green creature that they can't kill they can't jump block or anything it was just silly i didn't like yep. it yeah and speaking of that not in a good way yeah i had a feeling <laughs> where we're going after that tyrant x rex for ggg 88 creature phyrexian dinosaur this can't be countered trample ward four haste toxic four uh these two being in the same set is pretty weird um it like if you want a carnage tyrant kind of thing. This this does a lot of the similar stuff. Uh, Ward four is very similar to hexproof in a lot of cases, and then yeah. haste trample is really big. And I don't know. I, I think accelerating to this card is pretty messed up. Like it's going to be yeah. really really hard for anyone to respond to this effectively if you're playing ahead of curve. This on turn five is just like uh, it feels like 
you're kind of winning by turn six. Like I, I don't, I don't really know what the counterplay is here. I guess, I guess it's counter spells, right? Oh, this can't be counted. Forget it. Never mind. This is unbeatable. No, no, no. Yeah. Just completely unbeatable. Yep. Yeah. I, I don't know. This card seems like a dumb carnage tyrant to me, where you just go ahead and hit your seven mana threshold, and your opponent is kind of screwed. Yeah. Big score reanimation. Uh, I, I, I'm like kind of happy that the throne exists. I'm less happy that this exists and I'm yeah. certainly less happy that they exist in the same set. Yeah. And certainly not happy that one of them seems like much better suited to its job than the other. So. Well, it depends Weird. how you define their jobs. Like, is it like, do you just want a format where you ramp to Tyrannix Rex and that is the game that you've played? To me, that would be a huge failure. Like, I, I hope this card is not as good as it looks on its face to me. Um, because sure. like I I I like it when seven drops matter. That's really good. Something like Titan of Industry has had, in my eyes, a very positive effect on the format. Yeah, this I would rather not. this card. I would rather just this card had X proof and didn't have haste. You know. Sure. You know, just sure. like okay, yeah, it's Carnage Tyrant, whatever. That's fine. Uh, the, the fact that it has haste and it has a thing where it's like, oh yeah, Ward Four. Like you, you definitely have a shot to kill this buddy, and it's like. Uh, how how am i supposed to yeah, how exactly I, I don't know i don't know the answer to that uh like, like big, big sacrifice or bust. yeah yeah so you know pack those for a while i think otherwise there's going to be a large vulnerability in the format to this card and once those cards like make their way into decks i do think like this is kind of prevented from taking over the format there's no real counterplay to that if you invest everything into ramping into a tyrannix rex and there is a big edict and there is a big edict in the format right there's multiple i think like the yeah. one definitely exists and i think there's another one yeah 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 so uh, once that happens like this becomes a pretty l losing prospect but i could see this card absolutely stealing early tournaments for sure i mean the silly thing is though is like the the jun decks still only get to play four uh like soul shatters is kind of like the other one that i was sort of thinking of i actually don't even know if that's it or not but there, like there's, al rotated. there's almost certainly another one uh that's like that but like say you're doing jun stuff and you're like well i got my, my four big edicts or whatever and then your opponent's playing like thrown into this thing and it's just like okay i mean i only have four edicts like what the hell mm -hmm. and then i mean people were already potentially like sideboarding in duress in jun mirrors and stuff too so there's like that whole thing it, it's like even if it gets to a point where, you know, the, the card is so good that you need to play Edict to beat it, which is like kind of silly. And I, I, I doubt it'll get to that point, but it doesn't even seem like that's enough to, to actually stop them because you're not, almost never going to be like all, all in on this card. Like, oh, I just, I have to wreck some and I have literally nothing left. Like it's right. so unlikely. Yeah. You're looking for, uh, you know, a ramping creature of which there's some pretty interesting ones in the set. So yeah. Yeah. All right, let's keep going. Nissa Ascended Animist, 3GG, 5-5, so 7 total. Loyalty 7, Legendary Planeswalker Nissa completed. Plus 1, create an XX green Phyrexian Horror creature token where X is Nissa Ascended Animist loyalty. Minus 1, destroy target artifact or enchantment. Minus 7, until end of turn. Creatures you control get plus 1, plus 1 for each forest you control and gain trample. So only... Six versions of this card. A lot of restraint showed by Wizards oh, here on this okay. one. Um, so let's let's do the the breakdown of play pattern on this. So well, 
actually, hold on, because I, I know that you're going to get to this, but like, is this the only one that has like multiple phis? I believe so. Okay, I yeah, believe because so. completed is for each phi, it gets two fewer loyalty. Yeah. Yep. Go so, ahead. so we're looking at if we are play this as a five drop, we will get a Nissa with three loyalty. We will plus one get a four four green Phyrexian horror creature. We have a minus one ready to destroy a target artifact or enchantment. Minus seven ready to do this overrun effect that is potentially huge given how many forests you have. As a six but, drop. Yeah, at, at five mana, it's it's pretty tough to like get to that seven. Right? Agreed. As as a six drop, we are now looking at plus one, get a six six creature. So you know, we're already coming out okay in terms of a six mana investment. We're at dread. What is it? Dreadmaw Colossus stats, everyone's favorite card. So we've done oh, hell something yeah. special. Uh, we uh, are. You're, you're paying through life. You're getting uh, the Dreadmaw uh, and a Planeswalker. Yeah, six loyalty Planeswalker. Very hard to challenge. That Dreadmaw ready to play some defense. Looking Dreadmaw pretty good there. Though, right? Uh, I think so. Don't worry. We're going to get there. We're going to ultimate and it'll be fine. Word. At smart full retail. Seven. We're plusing this, getting an 8-8 creature, and on the next turn are ready to give all of our creatures plus one, plus one for each forest we control. So just Which is clearly eight, right? I, yeah, absolutely. I'm just jamming this in, in my mono green deck and, and winning on the spot. So sort of... I'm kind of a believer in like the linear version of Nyssa, where I just play bunch of ramping creatures get to this as fast as possible plus one make my eight eight next turn minus seven gg i've won the game i dude i kind of like just playing this for seven and immediately ultimating okay sure like assuming you are playing mono green right it's just like seven mana plus seven all my stuff like yeah. that's not bad that's not bad at all that's not bad at all and i i could see that being a play pattern that comes up from time to time um, it's a hell of a fireball yeah yeah, it's interesting because, you know, you sort of want to tap your stuff to do this a lot of the times, I think. I think that's how you're getting there, but not that many mana creatures in standard. Um, so maybe that is less of the plan than I'm thinking. And you're just kind of like naturally progressing to this seven mana state. And you, you know, you have a, a jumper at some point. That's some, something that's plus two mana in your list. So you're pretty happy playing this on five. and. It's interesting. It's an interesting card. It's it's very linear in its application. I, you know, think it's minus one is more of a safety valve than an actual feature of the card. But it'll be nice to have for sure. I, you know, you'll minus one quite often. I think. Um, I don't know. I don't know what to make of this card. I, I I think it's very good. I think it's very good. I think it's very narrow. I think it is very beneficial for a certain play pattern. I also think it's competing with the big dumb dinosaur in some ways so <laughs> yeah, you have to true. consider that a little bit and there's only so much room for giant seven drops in a format as we've discussed in the past um i don't i don't know i i think if you asked me to make a top 10 now this would probably be like towards the low end of my top 10 i don't really like the five mana version of this and i think that that is the one that you're going to be casting the most unless the minus one has like an absolute ton of utility, but I think most of the stuff that you can minus one on 
like the playable stuff is all the kind of like rinky dink things that you don't really mind getting blown up. They also get like, immediate value. So like fable, right. Wedding invitation. Yeah. Just so ahead of the game, wedding announcement. I'm sorry. Yeah. It's, it's kind of, kind of weird to me, but certainly like as the game goes on and if you are mono green or at least have a lot of forests, I think that the seven mana version is very, very threatening. And that by itself is worth a look. And then, yeah, maybe if you're like five mana, make a four, four and you have a, a four loyalty planeswalker, like that's okay. It's not great, but the, the card has a lot of utility at least. It, it depends on the matchup, honestly, like context dictates whether that will be great or not. And I, I can see spots where it in fact will be great, where you're just chaining out giant creature after giant creature that could matter in several spots. So it, it's interesting. Yeah. I'm, I don't think I would have this initially on my top 10, but could very quickly be proven wrong. Mm-hmm. Uh, Evolve Spinoderm, 2GG, Creature Phyrexian Beast, 5-5. Five, five. This ETBs with four oil counters. It has Trample as long as it has two or fewer oil counters on it. Otherwise, it has Hexproof. At the beginning of your upkeep, remove an oil counter from this. Then if it has no oil counters on it, sacrifice it. So clearly uh, a Blastoderm throwback mm-hmm. for the first turn it has Hexproof. Then it gets Trample. Blastoderm really, really want to Trample. Uh, I don't know. It's it's funny that you like re kind of like remake or reimagine cards like twenty years later, and it's like I I don't know if it holds up. Uh, I don't know if that's a thing that we're supposed to be doing. It is a cool callback for sure, but this card the card does not strike me as playable, honestly. Like given yeah. the context of everything else, and it's funny because you think about how iconic Blastoderm was, um, but yeah, things have changed. There's there's like four mana eight eights yep. that you can play right, and I I feel like that's better think it is all right evolving adaptive which feels like it's missing a word but uh g for a zero zero creature for xing warrior this enters the battlefield with an oil counter on it it gets plus one plus one for each oil counter on it and whenever another creature enters the battlefield under your control if that creature has greater power or toughness than this put an oil counter on this so but uh, evolve action going on yeah experiment one uh the regenerate on experiment one was it was good not it was not that bad it didn't yeah. come up a lot you know but i think that this is easier to make happen when there are more things that actually give out oil counters and proliferate and all that sort of stuff and if you're looking for just like a one drop that can for example like get to three power kind of like what we talked about before or mm-hmm. in the case of you know mono green and standard go pretty far beyond that i think that this seems like pretty reasonable pretty good seems reasonable to me i also think that uh oil counters matter more in a lot of context well at least in the context of this set than like plus one plus one counters could in other contexts so could be something there but i think i think in just terms of base stats yeah experiment one is a good callback that card felt extremely powerful at times and i think mono green struggles for its one drops this seems like a fine fine gap filler for them rust vine cultivator uh g12 creature phyrexian elf druid tap put an oil counter on this tap remove an oil counter from this untapped target land hmm okay Okay, I mean, slow, slow moving here, but 
when we're untapping lands that are worth more than your average land, certainly this card becomes much more exciting. Yeah. So are there ways to do that? I don't know. Um, I think there, no, there was something I looked at because one of the, I feel like one of the other cards also does this. I would have to look at like my old garbage arena decks that I never fully built, but I feel like there was, oh no, it was, I think it was the thing that was like for its power and I was trying to like pump its power. Maybe that was it. Mm. I don't know if there's like an overgrowth or even like a wild growth that's playable that you could use with this, but even if it's just like a mana creature that you get to use every other turn, I think that's pretty good for a one mana one, two. Uh, also, again, oil counters, things that maybe you can distribute or proliferate, which is cool. Uh, there's a lot of blue-green creature-based proliferate stuff that doesn't necessarily look constructed playable, but uh, you know, certainly if you get that stuff going, like this is gonna, just going to be an all-star in that sort of deck. Can we talk about this card in Pioneer? Because there, I think it actually becomes quite interesting. It is an Arbor is Elf that can look towards Nykthos. It can also look at Lotus Field. And yeah, some of the Lotus Field decks were playing a thing that untapped a land. I think it was yeah, like a two-drop. Two drop. It was a two-drop, yeah. And it, it was quite effective in those decks. And, you know, that was certainly a stronger effect. But it, it, doing things as a, a one-drop for that deck, which is mostly not doing things as the early turns go on and you're kind of limited to our burial grazer in a lot of spots having another one drop option could be quite meaningful and you know i think in the devotion decks this kind of is a little win more like if you're at that point of setup you're usually doing pretty well i don't know it, it seems pretty good to me also you have old growth troll to, to, to double scale up. on yeah no that is that is very true uh could be something there could be something there, Gerald. I wouldn't sleep on this card in older formats. Yeah, I mean, I the the first thing that came to mind was Amulet because they've played cards like that. But Things obviously, too slow. You would, yeah, you, you would just want something that doesn't have the delay on it. And I didn't necessarily think about Pioneer, but I like this a lot in the Devotion deck. And there was uh, the evolve card or what not evolve but whatever the hell that mechanics name is that untap the land where it's like okay well now the deck is like speeding up by half a turn this might also speed up your deck by like half a turn and maybe maybe i don't think that deck needed that stuff so but we'll take it yeah i was i was down on the deck because it like it's it's tier one but it wasn't far and away the best deck and if something is far and away the best deck i will happily play it regardless of what it is and now with yeah with this card i'm like well it's getting to the point where it's it's kind of hard for me to argue against just doing it because everything just seems comically easy at this point it didn't need the extra upside that's for sure no nah. it, it could have been forest and would have been fine but uh i think in the case of it doing proliferate stuff and like maybe it being a limited card and everything that it being any land makes sense oh yeah yeah, yeah. i i I would have done it that way as well, uh, flavor-wise, for sure. Uh, viral spawning, 2G sorcery, create a 3-3 green Vyrexian beast creature token with toxic 1, corrupted, as long as an opponent has 3 or more poison counters, and this is in your graveyard, it has flashback 2G. Similarly... Call of the herd. Similarly to Blastoderm, uh, you, you make this card 20 years later, and it's like, 
cricket noises, basically. Uh, I do think that there's like a time and a place for a thing like this and where it could be good, but um, I'm not stoked about it. I don't think this card is good, but I do appreciate that they do things like this for us old heads to, uh, you know, even if we just get to talk about Call of the Herd and how it was a format-defining card during its period. I remember when I first came to Magic Online, Call of the Herd being like 30 tickets or something like that. Very, very challenging to get my full play set, uh, which I eventually did as I grinded from nothing with my mono black deck that had to play the worst version of Nantuko Shade because I didn't have the money for Nantuko Shades either. Uh, but we eventually got our full set of Call of the Herds and we were able to play all the top decks in the format. And uh, Dude, that's like OG Magic Online when you're a broke kid. Yeah. Was like the best version of card acquisition, I think. Totally agree. Totally, Wasn't you can it? Make, you can make something out of nothing. And then I, so. And then after that, you're making actual money too. Yep. At the, the way my Magic Online experience worked was it was uh, during like one of my summers from college when it released. And when I was at college, I was way too busy just drinking and being a degenerate the entire time. Uh, to invest time in magic but over that summertime i just like kind of worked saved up money and uh when i wasn't working i was playing magic online and i didn't have much money so it wasn't like i could just buy my way to the top i just kind of grinded from nothing and then at the end of that summertime period when i went back to college and i knew i wouldn't be playing as much magic anymore I got to cash out my collection. I remember getting a check in the mail for like $400 and I'm like this is the greatest thing that has ever happened to me you only got 400. Yeah. That's uh, that's the number I remember anyway. Yeah, I guess the the margins were way worse back then. For sure, for sure. It wasn't just like bots undercutting. It was more akin to real life where if you're selling it's probably for, you know, 50 to 60%. Well, the fact that I got the check in the mail certainly points to that, right? Like yeah. an actual mail check was very different. Yeah, I mean, I I was definitely there. Like I definitely got checks in the mail from people too, you know, but I, I I feel like whenever I sold my account, it was for like, you know, $2,000 or whatever. Mm. I think there were multiple times I cashed out for 2K. But yeah, the, 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 the final time I sold my Magic Online account, I remember getting 9K. Okay. That was like yeah. for the, the full thing. But in this instance, so, so again, keep in mind, this is like three months of playing. So I, I built out oh, most okay. of the format. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And I don't even think the format was complete. Well, maybe it was complete at that point. But. Uh, maybe I was avoiding like the IPA cards because they were super expensive at the time or for whatever Dude, they reason. were. Deed, yeah. Deed was seven tickets, man. I couldn't yeah, believe it. Way too much. I, I had to be so rich before I bought Deeds because it was it was like such a huge expenditure. And that allowed me to splash around with like Deed was not playable in standard at that point. Mm-hmm. And there was like some really, really awful uh, Burning Wish control deck. It was like Tainted Pact, Burning Wish Deed, Factor Fiction, like four yep. colors, right? Yep. And my win condition was Burning Wish for Living Wish for a Psychotog. Yeah. Those were the but, days. And it was just like, okay, I, I am rich enough now where I can afford to like splash around. And then Orm's Chant was like 80, which I was just like, I'm never, never going to bother with that. I don't, nope. I don't care if like Scepter Chant is like the absolute best thing you could possibly be doing. I'm not going to sell like three decks to build Scepter Chant, you know? Yeah, I remember my progression being like mono black control, blue green madness, uh, like red green meteor storm, 
call of the herd aggro-ish stuff. Uh, then I remember playing the Phantom Nishiba Hunting Grounds deck oh, for no. a period of time. Uh, that that, that might have been about the end for me. That might have been about when I cashed out. Yeah, you were you're playing bad decks, man. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Real bad. You're, you're playing Hunting changed. Grounds. You're playing Something Hunting Grounds. Changed. I'm playing Mirari's Wake. You know? Yeah, must be nice. Dude, Wake was busted. It was great. It was very good. Uh, dude, back in the day, I could just sit there and jam like the best version of the best deck, and it was fun for me. I can't do that anymore. Now Same. I have to be learning something. Same. Yeah, just sit there and get your $5 an hour and be very, very happy about it. Way less. Way less. <laughs> uh, last green card, Thirsting Roots. G Sorcery, choose one. Search your library for a basic land card, reveal it, put it in your hand, then shuffle, or proliferate. Uh, I liked the Prey Upon version of this card uh proliferate now with like the oily stuff seems all right yeah this this effect is good i mean we've we've seen this effect shine before it usually needs to come with some extra value this you have to choose one maybe a little bit of uh learning a lesson there and not just giving a little extra effect on top of the basic land searching yeah yeah i mean i think they're all choose one except for the energy one Hmm. right yeah, what's the name of that card? I'm blanking on the name of it. A tune with ether. Tune with ether. Yeah, band, band card and standard. Um, <laughs> very interesting. But thirsting roots, I I have a feeling will not find a home. I, that's my bold prediction here. I, I do think these effects occasionally matter. Proliferate feels a little disjointed though. I, I don't think it's exactly what you're looking for in this effect. And you know, maybe I'll be proven wrong. And there is enough because. It, it does do that like early game, late game thing, right? Where this is supposed to be yeah. an early game card to fix your lands. And then in the late game, if you've done enough work, proliferating can easily be worth one card, sometimes two cards, sometimes three cards in the best scenarios. So uh, yeah, and I, when I we're talking like about the, the balance there, when we're talking about the Nissa and like ramping up the Nissa or like you untap and start your turn with Nissa at six. And then you mm-hmm. just have this card that like proliferates and you ultimate out of nowhere. I mean, that's kind of cool, but uh also weird to just be like sandbagging this card for forever i guess so it is yeah it is, not not a card is. that you're gonna play a lot of either way but yeah yeah so this is gonna pump uh your your rust fine cultivator perhaps to get an ac- extra activation out of it it matters with your evolving adaptive if you've already put an oil counter on it to get an additional oil counter so there are some really cool synergies on the low end of your curve that you can get could, from this card. keep your blast room around for an extra turn maybe extra blaster room easy game i don't know why you put the blast room in your deck but you know don't worry life. about it all right on to the gold cards uh fully aware that this is probably just a commander card but uh atraxa grand unifier grand unifier 3g dub ub so four colors seven mana 7-7, seven, seven, Legendary Creature, Phyrexian Angel, Flying Vigilance, Death Touch, Lifelink. When this enters the battlefield, reveal the top 10 cards of your library. For each card type, you may put a card of that type among the revealed cards into your hand. Put the rest on the bottom of your library in a random order. And uh, they list out the card types, Brian. Yep. And among them is Battle. A lot of talk about big changes coming to Magic the Gathering, which is terrifying because the level of changes which aren't identified as big changes these days are pretty freaking massive already 
who said uh, big changes? That is something that Mark Rosewater has been hinting towards for a while now. Oh. Uh, in terms of... Was not aware. This year. Yep. Uh, so maybe that refers to battle. Maybe that refers to something else. Nobody knows. But it is something we're going to have to keep a close eye on. I am okay with there being more card types for the most part. It, it really depends a lot on the execution. It, it's not even worth speculating on. You know yeah. my thing. If you keep the original language of magic, I'm all for expanding. When you break from the original language of magic, that's when I start to get a little, little uncomfortable with it. And uh, so things like energy counter is very low on my list of mechanics because I do feel like it betrays the original language. We'll see what battle does. If it's in the vein of cards I like, or if it's in the vein of cards I rebel angrily against. Uh, what about seven mana, big card, bunch of keywords, like draw it's four cards? It's fine. It's fine. Uh, like, you know, it, is it better than Titan of Industry, which is kind of how I look at these cards for the most part? In some scenarios, yes. In some scenarios, no. I think that I don't want to build around this card. So if I just naturally have a spread where I can hit a bunch of card types, that seems good. I worry about getting the impact you want when you have to actually spread it amongst all these card types. Like I know that sounds weird, but in, in a lot of these scenarios, you're looking for very specific things. When you hit this moment, you're looking for uh, either card advantage or your second copy of a track set to be able to keep the snowball rolling, which you can absolutely get here. Uh, so that's kind of cool. I do think, though, being limited to like one potential removal spell, one potential land, one potential creature might make it a little harder to capitalize on this than something like the Nib Mizzet, that the five color Nib Mizzet that we played for a while. Um, but maybe I'll be proven wrong on that. I, I think it's probably a fine card. It doesn't feel like a revolutionary card to me. Yeah. I don't, I don't like that it's seven mana and then uh, you're just putting like one thing in a play and it you know lifelink on a big creature like that certainly matters in a lot of instances but uh yeah you're drawing a bunch of cards but for any seven mana card i feel like you should probably be getting a bunch of cards off of you so yep yeah and and shields are down if this card is like you tap out to play this you get that burst of cards they kill this and then they kill you is yeah, a play pattern huge. that i think will happen many times which is very different from titan of industry Right. So you gotta have to make your choice of whether or not you want seven mana card with immediate impact, but it's it's more of like small ball impact, or if you want like big amount of card advantage with little impact. I'm leaning towards the small ball impact, a little bit more flexibility there. I think so too. Uh last gold card, void wing hybrid, UB21, creature, Phyrexian bat, flying, toxic one. When you proliferate, return this from your graveyard to your hand. Okay. Okay. You, ha I'm, you have to like this, right? I am. I am interested. A lot of value there. Uh, you know, you find some good blocks for this card and get it back in the late game. And we talked about your your early threat that's going to go ahead and present some poison stuff in our theoretical proliferate deck. This plays a little bit of offense and defense. Not not great on the defensive side, but I think you could find enough value here where you're pretty happy playing Voidwing Hybrid. I kind of just want to loot it away, you know? That's fine too, yeah. All right. On to the artifacts. Cool card. I think it's a cool card. It is a cool card. Uh, on to the artifacts. Sword of Forge and Frontier. Three mana, artifact equipment, equipped to 
Equipped creature gets plus two, plus two, and has protection from red and green. Whenever equipped creature deals combat damage to a player, exile the top two cards of your library. You may play those cards this turn. You may play an additional land this turn. Swords are very, very hard to evaluate. Very hard. They, they require such a tremendous up for an investment, uh, you know, kind of like what removal they shut down matters a lot. What blocks they shut down matters a lot. And then their effects are often very complicated to assess. As far as swords go, this would be in like my C tier of swords right now. You know, if I have Feast and Famine up there in the S tier, and then probably below that, just below that, we're talking like Fire and Ice. Although, you know, I think there's some arguments that swap back and forth. B tier, we're in the sort of War and Peace type range. Um, and then you get to your C tier of swords, which is where I think forge and frontier fits having said that i could be 1000 percent wrong on this card i think this card rules okay uh now is that is that a tier ranking of swords ruling or is it just you like this card it's not feast and famine it's not fire and ice although i think that fire ice is way worse now as creatures have gotten a lot better for sure um so this doesn't deal with anything on the battlefield, which is not great, but in sort of like the feast and famine way, this is just a thing that's an engine. Mm-hmm. And I like it for that. But also I think that pro red and green are both very, very strong also because red gives you protection from a lot of the removal. Green gives you a lot of protection from blocking creatures. And uh, even just this as sort of like your card advantage thing that you want to side in against grindy decks or whatever, I think that this is awesome. So, give me a sword ranking. Where does this sit on your sword hierarchy? Are we up to nine swords now, or do we have all ten? I honestly don't know. Um, I know that there were some in, like, the Modern Horizon sets or whatever. Yeah, and like, that were I, mostly worse than the ones that hit, like, the construction yeah, sets. Yeah, they were, they were pretty bad. I think that they those were like intentionally pretty tame. Yep. Uh it was just like, ah, oh, we have to complete the cycle, whatever. Six. Seven. This this is in definitely eight, like the top half of swords for me. Nine. Ten. We have the full cycle. Oh all, boy. all swords exist. So uh there's well, let's go through the swords. I'm interested in having this conversation. I don't know why. Sword oh, of body and mind. That's our green and blue sword. Sword of feast and famine, green black, sword of fire and ice red blue we talked about sword a forge and frontier as this card sword of hearth sword of hearth and home uh i believe that one just came out that That is green white green white uh search library for a basic land card search exile up to one creature card yeah yeah not not very interesting like like a thing get a land yeah 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 sword of light and shadow which you know wasn't that one's good card for a while yeah that that one's good Sword of Sinew and Steel. I believe that's the one from the first Modern Horizons. Black Red. Is that Shatter Discard? Destroy up to one target Planeswalker, up to one target Artifact. Oh, yeah. Because they didn't want to redo the Raven's Crime thing. So that one is just like super narrow. Yep. Yep, very narrow. But Pro Black Red is the best removal stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Sword of Truth and Justice. That's the white-blue sword. 
plus one, plus one counter on a creature you control, then proliferate. That's from Modern Horizons as well. I don't remember this card at all. Yep, no thanks. Uh, and Sword of War and Peace. Red, white, Which sword. Which is also good. Yep. So I, oh. I think I have this at fifth place on my sword list right now. Uh, this might be third for me. Okay. I, I have it behind Feast and Famine, Fire, Ice, Light and Shadow, and War and Peace. I would do Feast and Famine, then Fire Ice, then this, then Light Shadow, then War and Peace. Okay. Maybe that's correct. Maybe I'm being too uh, too generous to War and Peace's legacy when I put it as high as I am. It doesn't see much play these days, so. Um, yeah. that, one, that one was really good, right? Like It was. But it was so narrow in its application. That was kind of the problem. But like there were definitely game stealer though, an absolute yeah. game stealer. Right. But there are also games where it's like you're kind of hell bent, they're kind of hell bent, like just really doesn't do a whole lot of anything. Hmm. So I, I was kind of frustrated by that aspect. But then there are the games where it's like your opponent just has a bunch of cards that are like dirtling around. And you just like one shot them with it and just like, all right, this is silly. Um but I don't know, man. I feel like in a lot of instances probably like any sword is getting you pretty far ahead it doesn't yes. really kill them but yes. you know so uh light and shadow very good just like kind of narrow i think people really love body and mind for some reason i think mm. mostly stinks. no yeah, i think mostly stinks as well i don't know man i like this one a lot it, it's weird that it doesn't do a whole lot like uh, you know say five mana you play it equip it connect it like you get an extra land drop and maybe it comes from the top two cards of your deck too. So like you are getting to ramp off it, but it's like you either need to untap with it or have it played kind of early and then connect with it with some mana open or something. But I think that those are all pretty reasonable asks. And like once you get this going, it's it's going to be pretty difficult to lose. So yeah, yeah, I can see that. See that? I don't. I don't think we're too far off in our assessment. I think maybe my assessment of the historical swords is a little higher than yours. Is all that's going on here? But uh, good sword talk, bro. Glad we got to revisit all the swords today. Tight, and and that's it. No more swords. Okay. Forever. Cool. That's good. I've had enough. All right, uh, Argenta Masticor. Talking about throwbacks on throwbacks on throwbacks. Uh, five mana, five five artifact creature, Phyrexian Masticor. First strike protection from multicolored at the beginning. Like protection from multicolored is good, okay? But like there, there's also like a multicolored edict. So I'm just laughing at how all of these cards are like very weak to that card. Anyway, at the beginning of your upkeep, sacrifice this unless you discard a card. When you discard a card this way, destroy target non-land permanent and opponent controls mana value less than or equal to the mana value of the discarded card. I think this card also rules. Very cool. Very cool card. I am curious how big the protection from multicolored actually is. It seems pretty significant to me, honestly. It's Just good. First blush. And uh, yeah, man, destroying stuff on your Mastercore discard is quite, quite an upgrade from where we started. And I mean, that was kind of the problem with it, right? It was like OG Mastercore now, two mana, one damage. That doesn't kill like everything like it did back then, right? And then Razor Mane was like, okay, like you don't you don't have to pay. It'll just, you know, deal three damage or whatever it did. Uh, And then there was the one from Scars, I think, that was like four mana to deal four or something. 
which was like fine, but super clunky. And this is just like, this is a Masticore for the modern age. You know what I mean? Just does the thing. And I, I think if you find a spot where the multicolor protection matters and you like get a little value from your discard engine and pretty happily turning big spells into removal spells, you know, this, this theoretical graveyard-based deck that we've talked about a little bit, maybe benefits from a card like this, just really bridging the gap very effectively um, and, and getting you to your heavy hitters before they take over and just destroying whatever the best thing on your opponent's side of the field is. Yeah, I, again, I don't think this is like a defining card. I wouldn't be shocked if this sees zero play, but I do think there is some potential upside here and something worth exploring. Yeah, I do think it's a sideboard card, right? But you might remember how big of a stopper Razor Main Mastercore was, like mm -hmm. five mana, five, five, first strike. This is the exact same thing, which is like, oh, that shouldn't have held up, but it, it kind of does, honestly. And I don't know, like the, the fifth toughness is definitely a big deal. And tax really well into the type of creatures that, quote, clog up battlefields these days. So. Yeah, and the fact that you're just getting like free mana every turn that this is around like obviously you need spells to discard to this so that could be the problem right it's like what if you're kind of like flooded and are not able to kill a bunch of stuff then that's kind of a feel bad but i feel like if you want it in a specific matchup you're gonna know that and you're gonna have to like build your deck in such a way where it's like well i know i need to kill a bunch of four drops so i need to keep that sort of stuff lying around to discard right well what's the um, thing we talk about all the time is you just don't run out of cards, right? So where cards yeah. are not a restrictive point any longer, Argenta Mastercore becomes a lot more appealing. No, it's certainly true. It is weird, though, because this is the type of thing that it's like, you know, you just go to your draw step immediately, like a new player or someone who's like not used to playing in paper or whatever, and it's just like, your thing is dead, mm. you know? <laughs> mm. It's like they don't, they don't... Yeah, they don't really make those cards anymore so the it gotchas. is kind of funny to see that yeah the throwback here but uh hopefully it just won't come up that often it'll be fine. yeah i i think it'll be okay ish is, is how i evaluate it yeah uh filigree silex two mana legendary artifact tap put an oil counter on this tap sack this destroy each non-land permanent with mana value equal to the number of oil counters on this Tap, remove 10 oil counters from among permanents you control and sacrifice this. It deals 10 damage to any target. Uh, like Powder Keg, or what was what was the other one? Ratchet Bomb. Ratchet Bomb. Yep. Yeah, so we, we got that. This is legendary. Not that you ever really wanted a bunch of Ratchet Bombs in play at the same time, but uh, this can also, I don't know, just be like the win condition in your oil proliferate deck. This combos mm -hmm. with the Phyrexian Furnace red guy, I guess, too? It does. It does, and that seems okay-ish, I guess. Like, I I don't know. I These cards are always so important when they exist, right? Like, they, they just are catch-alls that sort of redefine what every deck in the format can do when you have access to things like this, and it really shapes what strategies can be successful. I... I think you're just supposed to ignore the last part for the most part. Like it's 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 just not it's it's a it's a trap. It's a trap. Normally, okay. I would agree with you, but I think that there is enough stuff in the set that makes it interesting. I will agree with it as interesting. I have a hard time 
believe because remember once you like once you do this stuff like once you commit to this idea i'm going to make 10 oil counters you lose this thing's threat as a removal spell and it's legendary so it's not like you can bring down an additional one so if your deck is focused around using among, this it's from among permanents you control it doesn't just have to be this thing yeah okay okay right yeah if it was just this, it's like, yeah, don't ever take this up to six or whatever, you dingus. Like, what are you, what are you doing? You know, you're not going to get there. Uh, but the fact that it's like your other stuff, it it seems more feasible. Yeah, I just nothing like in this type of setup, nothing stands out to me as the thing I'm going to accumulate a lot of oil counters on. For the most part, I'm using oil counters in more aggressive slants thus far, just based on what I've seen. Yes, yeah, so it's um, weird to put a powder keg in your deck. It's weird to put a powder keg in your deck, exactly. But I put a lot of the cards on the list that were the experiment ones and of like course. the R01 of course. trample because they, they look good as oil counter things. I kind of skimmed the rest of them. Yep, yeah. I will I will revisit at some point, And then maybe at that point, I come around to this idea of filigree silex as your win condition. All right, so check this out. Tablet of completion. Two-man artifact. Tap. Put an oil counter on this. Tap, add C. Activate only if this has two or more oil counters on it. One tap, draw a card. Activate only if this has five or more oil counters on it. Very, very slow mana rack, but a two Which mana, is not bad. Yeah, two, two mana. Two mana rack. That doesn't really happen all that much anymore. We don't get fellow or stone type output. We get three mana. Right, mana and this rack. is only on delay one. Because mm-hmm. you get a counter immediately. Turn three, you take it up. Turn four... It's active. Uh, and then anytime that you don't need it for mana, you can oil counter on it or you can proliferate on this. Then it can become a draw engine or yeah. can feed the Silex. Yeah. Right. And it, it, it doesn't lose those counters ever. Like they, they're just there. It's a yeah, it's, constant it's not, pickup. It's not like the Arbor Elf. Where yeah. You have to actually this, spend them. When this becomes one draw card, it's, it's pretty impressive. So I'm kind of a believer in this card. I, Again, I, I want this to be good on its face, I think. I, I'm still not drawn into the idea of I'm throwing a bunch of oil counters around. I just want this to be a, an effect I naturally want. If that is the case, you can sell me on it. Um, but yeah, there's there's a lot of upside here. A lot of upside. Yeah, I think that this card is fine, but in the context of what are the non-aggro things that get oil counters, like this fits the bill, certainly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh Rounding out the artifacts, we have a Prophetic Prism reprint, which I think is not going to excite many people, but... No, it excites me. It, that it, it, excites, it excites me too. Uh, so just note that down. And then we have a cycle of Spell Bombs, which is also kind of exciting to me, even though it probably shouldn't be. I don't know. I think I like Spell Bombs too much. But the two that I picked out are uh, Draw Spell Bomb, which is one mana artifact. Pay one and sacrifice a draw card, or you can pay two B and sacrifice this. Return target creature from your graveyard to your hand. Draw a card. Activate only as a sorcery. Ooh, plus two cards there. Yeah. Not bad. That, and it's yeah, just... That's a, that's a big deal. One-man artifact that sits around. You can cycle it whenever you want. Uh, other one I kind of like is Furnace Spell Bomb. Uh, one-man artifact. One, sack this. Draw a card. One R, sack this. Put two oil counters on target artifact or creature you control. Draw a card. Activate yeah. only as a sorcery. Plus, plus two on your beatdown guy. Plus two damage out of nowhere where it's damage equal to oil counters, right? So uh, something there for sure. And again, plus a full card still. So Yeah, and 
just a one mana artifact that you can cycle on the cheap if there are like say the white blue and green ones are not all that exciting and i mean i, I think the blue one is still fine it's like a three mana on summon um like if you're doing any sort of like artifact stuff like these are are good pieces like we talked about the crappy like blue two drop that when it dies you draw a card like these are kind of like mm-hmm. versions of that yeah uh, i don't, I don't then, think i would really sleep on the green one either like plus three plus three and trample on a lot of spots plus you get a card that that can be quite impactful quite game ending given the sizing of some of these green creatures yeah that's fair it's just like sorcery speed and you're talking about like oh you get to draw a card too and it's like well hopefully they're just dead right so uh, probably doesn't matter all that much but yeah if, if you care about having artifacts lying around spell bombs are great mm-hmm. uh and then last up we have some spheres which is a cycle of lands that need to be tapped and then uh they you know tap for their color manner right so there's a white one a red one whatever and then it's all one c tap sack this draw card that's cool uh, is, is there a, a sphere payoff beyond this uh, there is an artifact that's like Journeyer's Kite for like spheres or the uh, Mirin lands or whatever. Yeah. Uh, so, yes, I don't really remember anything past that. Yeah, I'm just doing a quick peruse of the uh, lands in this set and I'm, I'm not seeing it immediately. So. Okay, so Murex is a sphere. Oh, there's a thing that was like for you need like seven lands and they need to be like different spheres. Was that like an artifact or? I'm looking. Oh, no, it was actually the Junior's Kite. Uh, so it's a two mana artifact, three taps, search your library for a basic sphere or locust land card reveal it, put it in your hand and shuffle. Three, this becomes a nine nine, uh, loses all abilities, gains indestructible and toxic nine. Activate it only if there are nine or more lands with different names among the basic sphere and locust lands you control. Hmm, that is a, a weird card. No, I don't know. Yes, Very but no. Yes, but no. Uh, like three search for a land is is that good? No, because it's put in your hand. I didn't even like the kite when it was around. Okay. Okay. Well, hopefully somebody has fun building their sewer deck. Yeah, it's like. Uh... Mazes end, but really bad. Yeah. Well, <laughs> so it's kind of like Mazes end. Uh, yeah, but okay. So the gates thing had its time. Yep. No. Right. Big big gate fan here. You know that. So that's it, man. That's the set. Uh, we'll be back next week with our top ten. Did we get you enough time to prep for your meeting? I, like I will. I will meeting? make it happen. I'm gonna go hop in the shower right now and uh, and and run along and make some flesh and blood cards all right cool man uh well thank you for joining us i know it's you know you're you're doing a lot of stuff i get it uh so i do appreciate the time happy to share my time with you and our listeners gerald and uh i hope people are still enjoying my takes despite the fact that i just simply don't have the time to devote to this right now Uh, i hope it's still interesting and i hope i'm still providing value to everyone out there Dude, your off-the-cuff takes or your very informed takes on like swords and masticors and stuff is pretty valuable. So mm, that's true. My my deep sword knowledge coming in, coming in clutch again. Game.
Good luck.